0: Behind the men and women who serve our country are fearless leaders who live in the shadows. They stay up late nights praying, worrying, and waiting for phone calls. Filling out mountains of paperwork and keeping research folders on experimental services. But more importantly, they patiently love our heroes back together again. Welcome to your community, no matter what stage you're at. We're here to provide expert resources faithful support and real-life insight into how you can move from managing to living your best life. Your hosts, Libby Bates, Shauna Moran, and Aaron McCauley, found one another in opposite sides of the country, in different stages, but with a common struggle. Together, with outside guests and experts, we'll open the resources and support you need. Let's get to the episode. Hey listeners, welcome back. Today we want to talk to you about suicide and the aftermath it leaves in the wake for families and friends and what you can do to reach out for help if you need it. Quentin Wilkinson is currently active duty military who tragically lost his wife to suicide this past year. Welcome to Behind the Service, Quentin. You go by Q though, right?
1: Yeah, I go by Q. Quentin's a mom thing. My mom calls me Quentin, only like when I'm in trouble. Yeah.
0: And sorry for the mix up. I was misunderstanding. I thought that you were both military spouses. So, um, but I just wanted to, you know, give you uh, our sympathy. Um, I'm sure that this cannot be easy to um, deal with um, losing your wife like that in such a tragic way. So.
1: I appreciate it. Absolutely.
2: I have a lot of respect for you coming on and, in talking about this, what I know must be extremely difficult.
1: Yeah, uh, I I felt that it'd uh, be good to share it, right? Because um, like I've said before, like 2020 is a different year for a lot of people, right? Like everybody's going through their own things and dealing with their own battles, right? So, um, and we're not talking as much as we can. Like we interact, we found ways to interact like through, uh, Zoom and, you know, FaceTiming more, and, and, but we're not talking, right? Mm-hmm. So like what I'm going through in my house, through my camera, when I turn off my camera on my computer versus what you're going through in your house is like, it's not being shared, right? So um, there's a lot of people questioning the future and questioning like how they're going to move on to from today, tomorrow, to the next five minutes, to the next five hours. Um, but I really want to show people that actually like engaging and talking about things and what you're feeling and how you're feeling can, can save people's lives. Like it may not be yours, but it just opens that, like that connection for everyone. Right. Like, um, a lot of people started reaching out to me once I started talking and now they're like, yeah, like I feel more comfortable talking about certain things. that I wasn't comfortable talking about had nothing to do with my situation. And it's just, one of those things.
0: So. And suicide is such a hard topic to talk about because it's so uncomfortable because, you know, when you have somebody that has lost somebody to suicide and you haven't personally experienced it, you don't know what to say. Um, for myself, I have lost somebody to suicide. My brother, this was back in two, the year 2000, he um, actually killed his entire family.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. To his hear children
0: and then ended up um, dying in the process as well. And it's like, when you tell that story to somebody or you mention that, people are like, I don't even know what to say to that. That's so, no, no, you like, it's so beyond our, like, our grasp or our comprehension of, like, how can somebody do something like that? I tell
1: It's you just know. because it's out of your realm of understanding, right? Like, even you telling me that, I'm like, ah that sounds yeah. like right like right. even like hearing that it's still like out of my realm like my my stomach dropped for you in that moment it's because it's not necessarily a real thing to a lot of people right yeah. like you see a lot of tv shows we watch like all like my wife used to watch criminal minds all the time and every time they get the bad guy cornered like the first thing that they want to go do is they go to kill himself right like okay. that was that's the answer. So like a part of us is like desensitized to it. And then a part of us is just, it's not something we expect that like what happened in our lives, you know? Yeah.
0: And just literally just saying that I could feel my, my blood pressure start to like increase my, you know, I was starting to get sweaty. It's it's that fear of almost like a fear of judgment in a sense. Like it didn't happen to me. Like me personally, but I experienced it and to share that you know, and he was my brother. That this was my family, this was an entire traumatic experience for the entire town my family the friends and everybody involved so when you start to talk about it you start to get like
1: it's definitely a polarizing event without a doubt like um you talk about it and people like go into asking like details and they just like when they hear about it their eyes are like oh wow and then you're like they're like they start asking questions that they don't necessarily realize they're not ready for right and you feel that anxiety like creep up on you because like they're emoting, like and you're seeing their face and you're like, wonder if that's what I look like, right? (laughs) Like so like it's it's definitely something that like is polarizing and it affected, like you said, your entire town or group of people in your circle. Like and the same thing happened here. Like it brings a level of mortality to a lot of people and it makes them wonder like what would like how could I ever do that? Like that, that question is like, I don't think I could ever do that. And then you wonder, you know, it's, it's a very polarizing event. It's like a, like death is always a a polarizing thing in general, but yeah, when so just, you have like, someone that, yeah, like there's a, there's no, there's nothing after we don't know what's after. Right. I'm not saying there's nothing after, but we don't know. Right. right? There's the unknown at that point. And then you have, someone that just ended it themselves. Like they took that into their own hands and just did it. So that is a weird aspect to like try and like bottle all that up and like categorize it and then get your brain to wrap around it at the same time.
0: Exactly. For sure. So since we're, let's just go ahead. I want you to go ahead and share with our listeners um, your story and then we'll just kind of have a conversation after
1: that. June 21st, I came home with the baby. We were spending, me and the baby were spending time with his godparents and uh, I came home to our apartment and my wife had shot herself in our bed uh, that morning and that morning, like my whole world along with my kids and her family and everyone's lives involved that knew her, like her friends, uh, flipped upside down. It's one of those things that you just kind of, you, I, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, like ever.
0: Yeah, right. I could imagine that just the trauma that you experienced just walking in to something like that—it had to have been so difficult.
1: There was a period of time where, like that walk down the hallway. And we lived in a we like a three-bedroom apartment, so it wasn't like a super long hallway. But like that that walk is forever long, right, in your brain, uh, going into. That experience, like the emotions and all that. So I'd probably say like a month ago, I just got to the point where like memories didn't trigger that, like happy memories, like enjoyment memories. Yeah. Like where I was like, oh, I remember when we went here and then like, it doesn't bring me back down to that hallway. So
2: yeah. yeah. Christoph, what's your wife's name? Whitney. Where do you even start picking up the pieces? You said you had, you have a, a baby, correct?
1: Right. And so
2: after finding Whitney, like how, how do you even, how do you begin to pick up the pieces?
1: It was, it was a process, right? So initially you just kind of go into survival mode, right? Like that moment from that moment on, it was like, all right, well, I can't stay here now. Right. Like I called 911 and I called my friends and then I called my family afterwards. And then it was like, all right, well, now I have to figure out where we're going to stay because we can't stay in this apartment anymore. And then we went to the hotel and then I just kind of went into survival mode. Right. Like being in the military and having lost people before and cl- close people to me, like you just kind of, all right, well, I got to keep focused. Right. Because, uh, you know, that baby depended on me, it was just me now. Right. Like, and we had like, we have a daughter and then, you know, I have another son from a previous marriage so like i can't i can't go that same route the reality of that i could not do the same thing she did despite having a moment where that's all i wanted to do in that moment because that was like my first reaction like everything shut down and that's what i was going to do and then gave the baby made a noise while i was in his car seat and it jerked me back to reality like yo bro you can't do that and um uh, he saved my life that day. I'm not going to lie. That's where I kicked in. He was like, yo, like I have to keep moving. Um, because he depends on me and I, I attached to that to him. And then I was like, well, I'm still paying for daycare. So (laughs) like, I can't keep him with me all day. Um, so I take him to daycare and then like, I always love working out. Um, and that's where I dove into that was my, my solace. And that was like my, you know, safe place Uh, there was a gym that happened to be open during like right before covid like oh during covid and i found it and i stayed there i would drop gave off at daycare he'd wake up like around like six something i'd get him dressed feed him a little something and drop him off at daycare and i was at the gym from that point on until like maybe noon which so i'd probably do like three hours three four hours eat something power down for like an hour hit an anxious point in the hotel and I'm like, I got to go work out and I go back and work out and then pick up Gabe from daycare. And then it just be me and him in the hotel at night. And I just hit that cycle on repeat, like just nonstop. And then until like I started finding that talking about things was a little bit better and like starting sharing a story and like people started saying, Hey man, don't you like write what you're going through, write it down. You know, because they're like, hey, go to counseling. I was like, ah, I'm not going to do that. The gym is my counsel, right? Like, that is my place.
0: Blogging's a great idea.
1: Yeah. And like, I was against it. You know what I mean? Like, I wrote, <clears throat> I did one post on my Facebook page where it was like, I wrote a letter to her, you know, and like that, I didn't, that felt good at the time, but I didn't like equate it, right? Like, you don't equate it. I was in the middle of everything. And it was the first time we had actually said anything about it. So like, I didn't equate it. And then I had some people like, yo, you really should write it down and then talk about like your journey and why your workouts mean so much to you and like how you're feeling during this phase of it. And it started getting a lot of feedback and people started reaching out saying like, yo, like I needed to read this. And I was like, well, this is a good thing. And I kind of, I, I live in that up until a point. And then now it's little things where I'm trying to get back on a routine. Like we went from recruiting in Greensboro Now me and the kids live at Fort Bragg um, and we're just in a routine now. Like, and that's, that's what I had to do. You have to like figure out what's constant still and then bring all the pieces to that. Cause a lot of people want to focus on like the shattered part, right? Like we always want to focus on like how everything is not working anymore. All the shit hit the fan for lack of better words. And like, there's still a good amount of stuff that's still working and the good things that were working is My daughter was with her grandparents and she had a good spot to be at, despite like what was going on. Gabe still had daycare where he can go and get loved on by all the ladies there. And I had a place where I could go be and do things. So like picking up the pieces starts with finding that stable platform, standing on that, and then building outwards from there.
3: Most definitely. It is so difficult for many of us who suffer with, mental health and have thought about suicide or have suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideations, it's very difficult to reach out for help. Did your wife ever, Whitney, I she's a name, she's not a number yes. to us. Yes. Um, did Whitney ever reach out for any mental health help or anything like that? Do you know?
1: Yes. So she did a mental health appointment, um, which was, fairly easy for her to get, but it wasn't um a face to face because COVID was happening, right? So like it was one of those things where it was just like she sat on her phone and they're like, Well, we can give you on some anxiety meds or whatever. And she was like, she never liked anxiety meds in begin with because I have anxiety. Like she doesn't like me when I'm on my meds. So like it's like one of those things that she didn't really do and it just she tried. You know what I mean? Like she did, she did go but I think there's a lack of a uh, personal accountability when it's just like you're talking through a screen, right? Like right. you can't feel what there I'm There wasn't right a now. lot.
2: Yeah. And there wasn't, I, I hope to hear that it's changed. It's been about five years since I've been an active duty spouse and I rem- there was a lot of medication available, but yeah. outside of that, there wasn't. That's the
1: first thing usually. like. Yeah, they usually want to push medication, which I mean, like personally, if they were going to push anything, like just let marijuana be a thing. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I know. We keep saying (laughs) that. (laughs) Just let that be
1: a thing. Like a lot of soldiers would probably function a lot better, but
0: totally this is an interesting perspective because you're a veteran you know we we typically talk about veteran suicide and the issues that we have we have and face with that this is a new perspective which i appreciate because a lot of times as veteran caregivers and as spouses of even active duty, you know, we tend to focus more on our veteran and not focus on ourselves and our own mental health and well-being. We'll, we'll do, you know, we isolate ourselves a lot of the time. Yep. Um, we have a lot of, um, like, withdrawal behaviors different things like that was was she displaying and I don't mean to like continue to like was she displaying any warning signs and things like that but did you notice her pulling back away from you did you guys just have the baby was she having like postpartum
1: like, there's a lot of things involved, totally right? questioning
0: like, the whole thing, and I don't mean to. No, it's,
1: I mean, it's, this yeah. is, it's part of the process, right? Sure. Like, if I was going to, I have to accept that this is part of it if I'm going to try and get people to talk to each other, right? There could be a lot of things. Like, she really wasn't withdrawn, but like, I'm not going to always say, like, we always had the, like, the most understanding thing, you know, going on. Uh, there's a lot of times where she actually taught me how to, like, deal with emotions that I wasn't quite sure of dealing with, right? Um, and, and that's just part of the thing. There's aspects that she wasn't dealing with either. Like we both had, like we've both had a, we've lived a life, right? Like she had some things that she dealt with before me, or I won't say before me, cause like we dated like our freshman year in high school and then we split up and then I moved back to North Carolina like 16 years later. There was a lot of space in between there that she dealt with things. And then like life during those years where we were together, was also a thing so like i mean there's there's a lot of things that can you know compile onto there the honesty is like like there's a lot of things like that happened prior to and you just didn't think it, she would do it
2: it's what i hear from everybody if you thought it was a real like whatever you're in I've, I've i'm a funeral director's daughter right. and so i saw death as Kind of a reality, and I I remember you know my my parents talked to us about suicide because it was something that was very real that we saw on a real life basis. There's a portion of funerals that you have that are just that way, and we never saw one survivor. I never saw one person like, oh, good, you know, wow, that really relieved some pressure, right. <laughs> you know, like. Right. And that's always the mentality, and I can speak for that first person because I faced that myself. I'm a survivor. And so I can empathize really well with where Whitney was. Goodness, I just can't help but think how proud she must be of you to, to come out and speak for her and to give hope and to give light. And I had a question, but I'm not even going to ask it because that's what I felt was more important to say, really. Goodness sakes
1: uh i hope so i mean like really it's just i hope like i can i keep telling like me and my daughter you know like one step forward like just keep moving one step at a time and that's the goal right like we all have to do that in everyday life um really it's uh the kids right like i want to say like it's all about the kids but it's i would say it's like 80 percent kids 20 percent me. where i'm like all right, right i gotta do this for the kids and then like that that percentage shouldn't like is eventually going to change because like really the kids are like what kept me going and now it's going to be like all right like more focused towards me and that's a gradual thing but like kids are definitely part of the reason why i'm trying so hard because i know there are people out there that honestly feel like their problems are too small and the fact that they only didn't they tried to reach two or three people and it didn't work they gave up right and the Whole purpose is like I can use my platform of however many Facebook friends or how many followers I have on Instagram to be like, all right, I'm willing to share this with you. You can share your five or six consecutive bad days of feeling alone or feeling tired or feeling whatever with someone, even if it's a complete stranger, like, hey, I just need to get this off my chest. And whatever, or I can reach out, I can call hotlines, I can call like whoever and try and truly talk to each other. And I think that's where we don't feel heard. And we don't we also don't feel heard, but we're also not talking enough. So like yeah. it's, it's a two-way street, and I think that's where I'm trying to get at these days and trying to show people like, yo, this is what I'm going through. Yes. If you had a rough day at work and your job just drives you up the wall, like I talk about it. Don't hold that self to you. Don't hold that stuff deep down inside Cause it'll wear on you eventually.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it doesn't matter about the number of people or number of followers you have. If you can help one person by having a conversation with them, you're doing good. You know, you may save that one person's life and that's oh, where- yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, that's where we need to be focusing on is one conversation at a time.
1: Yeah, and I'm willing to have them.
0: Yes, I'm glad you're on here for sure.
3: We talk so often about how PTSD and TBIs and um, combat veterans actually have increased soldier suicide or military suicide, especially in 2020 from your perspective um being an act, still active duty and how do you feel we can help that situation as well as help our our caregivers too like can we do to do more
1: <laughs> i i think well one like over time the idea of going to behavioral health in the military is like slowly gone like into a positive direction where it's like before when I went to behavioral health and I was like having anger management problems or I was like having anxiety issues or whatever, like I would tell my like squad like, yo, I need to go to behavioral health, I think, or whatever. And you're like, Oh, you know, like, and then you get that eye roll because like this, the, the stigma behind it was like, Oh, he's just trying to get out of stuff or he's just can't handle shit or whatever. Um, I think over time that's becoming a thing. And then after they're doing more testing for TBI and making that a, focus is a great thing right because like a lot of us i won't say a lot of us but a lot of us some of us played sports before the military like heavy contact sports and the regulations i'm 35 so the regulations before like then like we're like contact sports did we're nowhere near as safe as like what the kids have now right so like there's no telling how many like times we've had our bell rung and that kind of like jarred us and then you join the military and you're doing all this other stuff and you go airborne or aerosol or like combat related injuries and you're just racking that stuff up. So I think they're doing good on trying to really rein that in because a lot of people probably have had TBIs for a long time, which is, you know, jacked up the way they perceive things or like readjusted how they perceive things. Um I think over time, I think the, the medication that the fact that we are quick to hand out, like, Medication kind of should slow down a little bit, but the military really doesn't know what else to do with that unless, like, they start doing things like marijuana, right? Like, right. like you know, like that's the thing. Like, and they're not, they're not really, I see you, <laughs> they're not going to do that, right? Like, they're not going to start handing out CBD pens or stuff like that. Like, they're not going to do that. Do I think, like, if they legitimately tried it, it would have a better effect and people wouldn't want to go drinking as much? Yes. And, I think that's a lot of things like that's the hard thing. That was one of the things that I'm glad I worked out as hard as I did because I wouldn't drink myself stupid. And that was one of the first things I wanted to do. You know, like once I got time, I was like, I'm getting hammered. (laughs) Make this stop. But it was like, uh, I'm the only one that's here to wake up with a baby
2: boy, you want to do something dumb. That was the first thing I'd just take a drink, get a drink of alcohol in me. And boy, I I am worst decision maker ever.
0: I know my husband hated going out with me. I would like climb up into people's trucks, like drunk dancing, like a crazy fool, you know? And he's like, I cannot take you anywhere, Lib.
1: (laughs) And that's the thing is like, you want to do that. But like, I was like, I am like there's no one to like shove like hey i i the world's still spinning right now yeah you got to get the baby he's doing whatever or whatever but like um yeah like if it was my opinion like i think they would they're doing great now because of how big it is now because like it's not it's not just an option it's not like it's not like a mystery anymore like suicides are increasing and this year is another reason for why they are increasing because it's such a like stressful year for everybody. Everybody's like, I don't know where the next paycheck is going to come from. I don't know what the government's going to do. I don't know what job I'm going to have next week or whatever. And they're trying to make up. And then the lack of just being able to like go hang out with people at the end of the day and like interact because we need to interact with people. We are we're human beings. Like we want to go hang out with our buddies. Like, dude, today sucked. Before I go home to the screaming kid, let's go grab a beer or something. Like you can't really do that anymore. Right. Or, you know, like whatever you want to do with your friends. Like those days where you're like, haha, you got the kids tonight. I'm going to go hang out with the buddies or I'm going to go do this or you can go do that. And I'll watch the kids. Like it's a whole process now. Now I got to wear a mask. I can barely talk to people. I got, I'm anxious about whether I'm bringing stuff home. So like the level of anxiety in today's society definitely is at an all time high and everyone just needs to find ways to, to release that out and let that go as much as possible within reason. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. So you said um, you're, you're not really into the counseling thing. I was going to ask if you were seeking support, like mental health.
1: Support. So I have my first appointment the 8th.
0: I'm right? so proud of you. I really yeah. am. Seriously, that's a big deal. It's a big step to, to go and make the appointment and, and actually talk to somebody. Um, and I just commend you for doing that. Um, and it, Yeah, I fought it you know, for a while. I was
1: like, I told people, I was like, hey, I'll go, I'll go. And I, yeah. was like, oh, I need to do this.
0: Yes, it's, it's definitely important, um, not only for you, but for your child. And um, what's your, is it, you said you had a son?
1: I have two boys. So I have Gabe, he's the youngest. I have another boy from a previous marriage, uh, Adrian, and then our daughter, Destiny.
0: Well, I'm really proud of you for doing that. So that's the first step, right? Is is reaching right. out for help, and that's what we need to emphasize with our listeners and with anybody out there who's struggling with um, depression um, or any, you know, anything like that. Yeah. Is to reach out for help.
1: And it doesn't have to. Like that's the thing. Is like I think a lot of people let things grow and manifest until it's like.
0: So out of control. It becomes an
1: issue. Yeah, Yeah. right. It could be like that. Hey, I don't have alone time. When I get home, I come home and I'm directly dealing with more stress or outside factors, and that stuff manifests. And then they try and deal with that on their own because you see someone else going through stuff. Like I've had people like try and talk to me about like what's going on in their life, and they would be like, "But you know, I'm not. I'm not trying to say like what you what you went through was horrible." And I'm like, "Dude, like that's not my." Like, just talk to me.
2: Yeah. Pretend
1: like that never happened to me and talk to me like you want to get whatever you're feeling off your chest because apparently you need to talk about it. So let's talk about it. My problem is huge to me, but it doesn't have to be huge to you but you can talk to me about your stuff. Don't like try and like compare your issues to my issues because what you're going through is apparently a big thing for you right now. So let's like, let's deal with this. Yeah. I can handle mine. You know what absolutely, I
0: mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And and I'll say, uh, my husband's a veteran and he like fought tooth and nail to not go to counseling for like a very long time. He's flip. He's currently flipping me off right now.
3: <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs>
0: Um, but he, he fought tooth and nail to not go to counseling for a very long time. Um, but once he started it, he felt, he felt, he felt so much better about it. You know, he's like, Hey, I actually do feel better. I I can talk to, to this lady, um, about what's going on with me and I do feel better. So that's proof. There's proof in the pudding, you know?
1: Yeah. And it just helps talking to someone that doesn't know that's not directly tied to your situation. Yeah. And like, that's the thing, like if you need someone that's directly tied to your situation, then talk to them. But like, there's always that solace where like, you're a complete stranger and I don't have to, you know, feel judged by you.
0: They've never experienced combat.
1: I could honestly be like, you've never seen what I've seen. Like you, you didn't find your wife in bed. Like you didn't see right. you like that. You're like, exactly. But Like if I go with that mindset, then I'm shooting myself in the foot because I'm not opening up to the option of saying, hey, they can put this in a different perspective for me and allow me to see things differently. Like right now I'm in this phase where I'm like, I've talked about all the things I can talk about. I talk to like hundreds of different people like every other week or depends on what I'm feeling that week or wherever post I put. Like the feedback I get is not directed for myself, right? Like it's me doing that, getting it off my chest, hoping that someone can relate and it helps somebody. Yeah. But like doing that internal rebuilding for me and helping me deal with like the images or the things that I see or the things that remind me and the triggers or those moments where I'm like, ah, oh, right. like Like having those moments work out with someone that I don't have to worry about seeing two weeks like every day right or somebody like because you tell your friends things and they look at you and you're like holy shit dude like you are seeing like i don't know how you're walking right now or i don't know how you're thinking like like how do you function today i'm like well i got kids i ain't got no choice <laughs> I got, diapers don't change themselves right
0: <laughs> no doubt well, and it's great to have support systems around you, Oh you know, yeah, to have somebody that's going to come around you and talk to you when you're having a bad day or um, when you just can't get yeah. these pattern thoughts out of your head or or something like that, that's going to understand and just listen. Because sometimes we just need people to listen. We don't need to yes. talk or to, to know what to say to us because, I mean, who's going to, I can't personally give you advice on how to deal with the situation that you've encountered, because I haven't experienced that specific thing right. and empathize with the things that you have experienced because I've experienced similar things right. and I don't need to know exactly what to say or give you the right answer or anything like that. It's, it's really just being heard, feeling yeah. like somebody's listening
1: and like for the people that want to help other people there's like a level of to it right like um i worked on posts like teaching people how to help you right like i can say hey what's up i need to talk about some things and then people start talking back to me and i'm like ah, i really don't need this don't give me advice i just need you to shut up and listen to me like right now and like that's something we have to do right so if i were to call one of you and be like hey I need to talk i don't really need advice i just need to get this off my chest that's me telling you this is how i need you to help me help me in this way but also if you're one of those people that want to help people you have to be open to like stepping out of your comfort zone of helping and if it's out of your 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 frame of helping don't leave that person just find a new way to help them you know and like um I think that's one of the things that, like, when it comes to, like, listening and helping and, like, your example is, like, yeah, you don't have the same experience, but you have a similar experience. You know that loss, right? So I could call you and be like, yeah, that feeling right now in the bottom of my stomach or whatever, like, this is what I'm feeling, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I want you to tell me how you dealt with it. Like, when you ask for help, you have to teach people how to help you. And then you have to also be, when that person is teaching you how to help them and saying what they need you have to be able to like
2: take Receive that in it.
1: yeah yeah and that's, that's another thing everybody wants to help in their own way like if you only if you're a stay at home mom and you your kids are acting a certain way because you're a stay-at-home mom versus like a working parent or whatever that has to deal with that on the weekend and they're like well I have to do all this this and this and you're like well I only know how to help you on this occasion like ah. well no like try and learn how to help in different points of you I think that's where we are. We're losing focus in 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 this year. It's like everyone's trying to see it from their point of view instead of looking at it as like, yo, everyone's going through something. Let's try and look at everything objectively as opposed to this is how I see it. This is how I feel. This is how it should help you.
2: Love it. That is, I love that. And you really answered my question, which was how do we as loved ones encourage our service members or spouse to help if to get help if they need it. And right. what I hear you saying so much is, and this is something I, I was guilty of for a long time as a spouse and still am today, but it's what you said. You have to be able to help that is not conditional to what you're typically offering. And my right. husband explained that to me for such a long time. And it was like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense until it made you know, once I, like when I had to just kind of go through it myself, it's been a process, like you said earlier, and it's just um, what you're, all these things that you're saying are things that need to be heard because they're so healing, you know, and they're so powerful. Um, But really just being, being able to remove your own anxieties and your own fears from, the conversation so that that person can vent. That's what I was right. guilty of a lot of times as a spouse, which it can get tough because there's not a lot of care available. You can't just call and say, Hey, random stranger, could you stand in the middle of us and tell us who's
1: right? Right. It's <laughs> you, like, I, I need a ref. I need matter. a ref. Who's <laughs> Like <laughs> you don't know us, but this is my side and this is his side. You're yes. going to throw up the flag you help
2: on who's right. Yes. And
1: a lot of the time, we're all saying the same thing, just in a different way of saying it, right? Like a lot of arguments. Like, I can honestly say I have had a lot of retrospect on every argument that me and Whitney have had, right? Like, every single one. I can think about everyone, and like half those arguments were stupid, right? And like, we were all saying that we are both saying the same shit. You know, we were talking to each other, just not. We were talking at each other, not to each other. And obviously, now I wish I could go back and be like, shit, right? Like, and tell her, like, yo, I wasted, we wasted a whole two hours of time together or days or whatever being mad at each other for a stupid argument that made no sense. And we were just really trying to figure out what each one of us needed and how we could, like, we were trying to help each other in certain ways. And, um, and that's an aspect that like i think we all forget and then when it comes to like spouses and military personnel like you don't like on the military aspect like you forget that like your civilian counterpart like she had no enough no knowledge of the military like you forget your civilian counterpart it's like going through stuff too right because like in the military we're always like no you don't know what i'm going through it's just this sucks for me, yeah. And like you didn't know so and so, you didn't know so and so, and you don't know what this feels like. But at the same time, they're still living day to day life, you know. Like you just, on the military aspect of the, as the soldier aspect, you forget that's something we. And I'm guilty of it too, right? I'm I'm whole, coldheartedly guilty of it, and I think that's something we all. As service members, if they're the ones listening, shouldn't understand, like, yo, like, your spouse is still experiencing life. Yeah, we might have lost somebody or something would have jarred us at work or something really, we might have had to go through a little bit more suck than they did on Monday through Friday. Or we were stuck in T C or NTC or wherever we're at, the deployment sucked. But they're still, you know, you guys are still going through life at home. And day-to-day life, whether you're working at home with the kids, like thinking about where you want to go and all those things. And like that is a there's it's a hard thing to remember sometimes. It's hard for us to pull ourselves out of that. And then also realize that like, yo, it's okay to like express what we're really going through and learn how to express it with our significant others in a different aspect, other than saying, ah, you don't understand, but I'll give it a shot. You know, and like just you know, just do it.
3: What you said about talking at each other instead of to each other. This is a conversation my husband and I have gone over for eight years together now. Our biggest struggle is communication. He is in the army, right? So he's, or he was in the army. He's a veteran now. Anyway, um, he still has so much soldier in him and I don't have any military in me other than being raised by a military family. So us, when communication comes along it's exactly what you just said. Like we're saying the exact same thing to each other. We're just not listening or we're trying to listen and our own perspective shifts into it. And it's can cause so much chaos. I know personally for my husband and for myself, that's part of the reason why he has attempted suicide. Um, he's attempted uh, more than a handful of times. So it is communication is so pertinent and I really wish there was more out there to explain communication between the military to the civilian just right. as the house person because when when you guys are directly talking to us we're like why are you talking at me right when it's not like that at all yeah. you're just
1: it's that's how we're programmed to communicate. It's, right.
3: Exactly. Like, right?
0: like
1: there's a reality, like that doesn't happen. Right? right. So like I was explaining like basic training to my wife and she was like, well, that sounds horrible. Like, like our first experience with the military is there is no like conversation. Right. Like you're being told and people are talking at you like that is it. Like that's a check Raj. Like this is what we're doing. This is what you're going to do better have that and that and so like we take that home and there's times where I, I would we'd be arguing I'm straight knife handing like at the life and I'm like ah oh, this is stupid but I can't stop knife handing right now <laughs> right like but it's it's part of it and I think there's times where I had to like step back and like, Yo, I need to calm down or whatever, because like you get frustrated. You get frustrated. Like I'm trying to talk to you. Why aren't you listening? And she's like, I'm trying to talk to you. Why aren't you listening? And then eventually like when two people, two adults stop listening to each other, they turn into children. We all turn into children we're like, and we start getting petty and then we start saying things and we start getting that look on our face and you know, like you don't want to hear it anymore. like. Like, I know I did it. And like, whenever we would argue, she'd get this look on her face and I just knew she was just, I'm just going to make this face because I know it pisses you off now. And I'm just like, oh, God. And then it just like, it, it escalates, right? So um, it's it's something that we all, like, I think that should be a thing. Like, when you become a spouse, like, you should just go to a kind of like, hey, yes he might be able to communicate with you on the phone and he might be able to cupcake with you on the phone and say the love yous and be super sweet and do all this. And even on the female aspect, right? She may be able to do this and this and this, but that might change as soon as an argument happens. You know what I mean? Like, especially when they're talked at all day, especially if they have like a leadership environment where they're just, they have no say so, right. Like there's, it's like, but what if we know we're doing this? And then you get home and you're like, well, I want to say something too, right? Like, I've had leadership like that where I was just like, all day, they just talked at me. And then you come home and you just want to say something. <laughs> like, I just want to have control of something for today. And it kind of carries over. Yeah,
3: that's Yeah, that makes so much sense. Um, I really wish that they would do that. And I really hope that someone listening somewhere will hear that and decide to implement that because I think it'd be really great, actually. Uh, But I'm going to switch it up a little bit. We, as us three, we have talked about this topic quite often, especially in 2020 and with 2021 coming around the corner, since much of the current research is showing that more service members and veterans are taking their lives by firearms. Do you feel there is a reasonable assumption that we should have stricter gun laws for those with mental health issues? And if so, how do those stricter gun laws stop all this from happening? And if not, what can we do to advocate for our service members?
1: So, like that's a that's a fine line, right? So, there's levels of like mental illness that you have to take in consideration. Um, anxiety is a mental illness, you know, like ADHD is a mental illness, ADD is a mental illness. There are a lot of mental illnesses out there. And then at what point, like, I feel like everyone, you know, if you, you're sure, right. If you want a gun, you have a gun, you know, but at that point, like trying to document everyone's mental illness, like some things are controllable. Right. So like if I walk into a store and they're like, uh, it looks like you've had anxiety before, well, yeah, I've had anxiety before, but that's that shouldn't stop me from getting a firearm, right? Like, so who like trying.
0: Right? Who doesn't have yeah, anxiety? Right,
1: like who, like, um, if it gets to the point, like, if it's, I think it would have to be super intense for that to be an issue, like to be to be manageable, right? Because like there are so many mental illnesses, and there are so many situations, scenarios where people are who were in situations that if they had a firearm they wouldn't have developed that mental illness because of the situation that they were put in right so it's 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 a hard way to say like yes or no I don't think it would make a difference um and there's no way to really implement something like that and that's why they can't do it like they've brought it up like how do we implement this how do you keep track of that right like should I have to bring do I have to go get a psyche valve before I go to get a firearm or if I do that like it's i can Look at some questions, like, no, 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 I'm good, right? Like, yeah, it's like, just
0: like if all you guys do for the military, right? Right, exactly, from uh, overseas, there. How many
1: drinks do you have in a week? Yeah, Yeah. okay,
0: (laughs) on occasion, on the weekends, yeah,
1: right, yeah, like one or two a month, like, like, (laughs) (laughs) that's the average, right? Like, that's the answer. So, um, do I think like involving mental health in gun control. Is it a, is it, it's an idea. I won't say it's like a thing. It's like implemented that you can cut clear lines coming with good standing because, and there's a, by the definition, description of what mental illnesses allow you to not like to keep you from getting a firearm.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think my opinion, I have a lot of opinions on this. That's why I put the question in here, but (laughs) um, you know, you're having these guys go over to war, you know, you have them, they're signing up at 17, 18 years old to serve our country. Um, they're able to do that. Um, say they are, you know, hurt, injured, whatever, while they're serving, um, you come back over here, and then you try to take their their right to bear arms over in their own land. I mean, right. I'm just like
1: it's not going to go well.
0: No, it's not going to go well.
1: It's not um, well. Also, you saw the uproar when they lost the right to smoke. Yeah, I mean, like
2: right, right. And then uh, my other, if point, you give them the right to smoke, you wouldn't have to worry about the firearm so much. But, yeah.
0: well, and and like, I'm sorry, but legitimately, if somebody is has the intention on committing suicide regardless of whether you take their gun away or not they're going to find another means yes that's just i mean if they have an intention set in their head that they plan to do that that's why intervention is the
3: key not gun confiscation whatever i agree see and we were we personally to not continue to have firearms in our house after Justin's third time with me catching him with our gun. Right. So, for well, and it's a I personal also, decision, I, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, I believe for us it was a personal decision. It was for our own safety, J- just for that particular reason, because I knew Justin, being a firefighter, also as well as prior service, that he spent enough calls seeing enough suicides that he knew that a gun would be his quickest way to go. He wouldn't misfire. He could actually completely do the job. Whereas with strangulation, suffocation, medication, you never know and you're going to suffer longer. That's my personal opinion from our experience on why the suicide rates with gun is higher than the others
1: for yeah, the- there's a finality with that i'm not going to say like there isn't um there's a finality with that there is no there's she didn't get to she didn't get to pull the trigger twice and that's that's something that um is is i understand that um but like there's a level of like personal accountability that we have to have I you know? know like you know your home situation like if you are a spouse and you know your spouse is <laughs> prone to do that and that's like a that's an idea that they're going to have in their head like yeah then i i support it or i just don't think ends. like putting a system in place federally is going to be based i'm not putting a system in place based off of mental health federally is going to be feasible for the near future without strict like black and white guidelines because mental health is just becoming like something that is really prevalent for the longest time like you know, mental health wasn't really a thing. And it depends on where you grow up. Like I know in a lot of like the African-American culture, the black culture, like mental health isn't really a focus. hasn't been a focus up until like the recent, like five to six years, you know? So like in my mind, like that, I've really noticed that people are actually talking about it as like black people um, outside of the military. So like, it just depends on where you're at and knowing your situation.
0: And I think that's another conversation that needs to, that you need to start having Q is, you know, in right. your black community is having these conversations, right? not just veterans focused, but I,
1: I, I, I want to reach as many people as possible, to be honest with you. Like just talk about, let's just talk about talking about mental health and understanding that mental health is an actual, is an actual battle. And it, sometimes it can come out of nowhere. And then sometimes it's a buildup, you know, like I'm, like I'm, I witnessed it in my family. Like, you know, so um, that's something that my daughter is going to have to keep in mind and the baby's going to have to keep in mind, even though like my other son is not here. He knew Whitney, like, yeah. like that was the first woman he ever saw me with outside of his mother. So, you know, that's, that's an attachment that he's, he might have to deal with and understand like, wow, like that is a real thing. And it's becoming more prevalent in the youth today as well. You know, like suicide is becoming more popular in the youth. I don't say popular, but it's like becoming a thing that we, like me growing up, like you didn't really hear too many people talk about suicide. You might have heard about one or two or knew somebody that attempted it, but it's not as part of the culture that is now. You know, like it's out there, right? Like, The media, social media is like everything. So you can yeah. play anything on the web and like people are like, oh, shoot, this is really happening. So like it's it's got to be a discussion we have with our kids as well.
3: All right, friends. So this week, my awesome, encouraging, motivational thing for you to do is to download the Virtual Hope Box app. It's modeled on the cognitive behavioral therapy technique that uses a physical box containing things that reminds patients of positive experiences, reasons for living, people who care about them, or coping resources in the app. You can upload personally meaningful photos, videos, songs, quotes. You can do puzzles. There's relaxation exercises, guided meditations, and tons of access to so many resources for coping tools, including self-created cards and a phone contact list for those people who you would love to reach out to first in case you are having a hard time.
2: So, Q, we read a scripture at the end of each podcast. I don't know if you have a faith, but we welcome people of all faiths and even people of no faith. Um, But today we're going to read out of Ecclesiastes, which is an amazing book if you guys ever have time to read it. Um, You will never... (laughs) It it was written by King Solomon, and he was um, the son of King David. And he... These are some of the verses, these are things, wisdom on life, and these are definitely verses you don't see printed on like dining room plaques, you know, or like Libby has behind her a Bible verse. Ecclesiastes (laughs) is really, really real, and that's what I really love about it. So out of chapter 9, verses 11 through 12, it says, I have observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race, and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry, and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It's all decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. People can never predict when hard times might come. Like fish in a net or birds in a trap, people are suddenly caught by tragedy. And... That is, it speaks to me in so many ways, um, because I know that you found that to be true in your life, as you've just talked about, um, suddenly caught in with a tragedy. And what's beautiful about this is that it, it even through this, right, you have a God that loves you and that cares about you. And even through the ashes, like your beauty rises and that's what's happening with what you're doing. And again, I just can't help but wonder how proud Whitney must be of you Um, and what you're doing for your children. You know, they're watching you grieve and you're giving them pillars of strength and hope, you know, and I'm really proud of you the way that you
3: are healing through this process. I am a mother of five. So what you're doing and being able to show your kids how to mourn, but how to not allow yourself to stay in the pit and the hole and walk in the hard bottom that you feel like you could have been stuck on. But you didn't. You chose life and you chose to show them how to live life. Even despite all the tragedy, like that's just that's beautiful. And
0: then trying to help people in the process, like dude, mm-hmm. exactly fire, fire. yeah.
3: Come on me, you're the you're the captain Captain America of the world now. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Or All right, to me too. Me. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you enjoy your afternoon yeah. and thank you again for your time. We really appreciate it.
0: It was so great to meet you. Thank you for coming on and sharing your heart with us. And like I said, you're more than welcome to come back and have a conversation. I enjoyed it so much.
1: I'll just send the invite and I'll hop on.
0: Okay, for sure. Well, thanks for listening to Behind the Service podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, we leave us a review, it helps more people like you find our podcast. Remember, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.